What's up, everybody? Everyone's wondering what Blue Team is going to do today, boy. All right, everybody. Welcome. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Today is Friday, September 23rd. Welcome to episode 204 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, we got you covered. But before we get into that, let's give some love and a shout out to the stream sponsors, including Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can use can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below if you didn't catch it. Also love for this stream sponsor, Recon InfoSec, who has also uh, got a special tie-in to later today. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response. That's MDR, if you've heard that acronym. That's what it's for, MDR. Offering from Recon InfoSec. Recon InfoSec's offering includes the people, the process, the technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Thank you, Recon InfoSec. Link in the description below if you're looking for MDR services. If your business is like, you know, flexing and really needs some help, but you can't get budget for an FTE. MDR is the solution. For some reason, CFOs and CIOs will stroke checks for professional services all day long before they'll hire an FTE. Don't ask me why. It has to do with CapEx versus OpEx and all this other color money. Doesn't matter. The deal is if you need help, MDR is a great option. Now, I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing like this one is worth half a CPE. So that stacks up, right? And by the way, it's half a CPE because it's one CPE per hour. Since we go 45 minutes, we round down. So there's no question that we covered 30 minutes of sick content. Half a CPE a day, two and a half a week, 10 a month, 40 a quarter, 120 a year, 1,200 a decade if you really want to go YOLO, right? So just be sure to say what's up in chat. Say hashtag team live if you want. Say hello. Uh, definitely if you do say hi, it documents it in the stream permanently, forensically, uh, in case like the little mosquito in the uh, amber in Jurassic Park 1, right? You'll be there for a million years, and then they'll be making dinosaur Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefings in 10,000 years or whatever. Now, if you're on replay, hashtag Team Replay. Thanks for catching the stream. You guys absolutely matter. You guys are part of the community, and I appreciate it. I always go back and see all those hashtag Team Replays. But Team Replay, you guys get to jump into the future. So if you're listening to this on replay and you're not familiar with what we're doing, the next two or three minutes, I'm going to be welcoming people into chat, talking about what's coming up for the day's activities, maybe a little projections for next week. It's called The Pleasantries. We have coffee. It's it's Friday, so there will be a Grayson joke of the day. If that's not your speed, if you're like, I just want the news, get out of here with this fun stuff. Just jump ahead. Skip two minutes into the future, three minutes into the future, 
We'll be in the news and you won't have to deal with this. But for the rest of us, awesome people, good morning. Welcome. What's going on? Hey, Michael Starnes. What's up, Theodore? Jeffrey Foshi in the house. Shane Himes. Yeah, buddy. The Blue Album. Grew up on that stuff. It's Blue Team. Guys, there's a theme here, right? I won round two action yesterday. I am in the finals of the Threat Gen Red versus Blue 2022 Cyber Invitational Tournament, and I will be operating as the blue team. So Recon Infosec actually has a blue team playlist that I will be uh, uh, playing from Spotify uh, for those who are in attendance on my stream. I've got the Weezer Blue album playing. I've got blue team shirts. I'm all blue all the time. Let's do this, right? Come on, come on. How we doing, Tom Pike? Good to see you, my man. What's up, L. Scott Munoz? Good to see you. Thanks for the great win uh, wishes, man. Jared Pierpont, good to see you. Oh, Jay Smith, great to see you, John Kyle. Hey, Emilio, we got it. This was a hell of a week, y'all. This was a busy, busy week, and it's coming to coming to a close here. And I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it. I'm very happy. Um, but we'll see. We got to get through the news. We got to get through some sissoing stuff, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Oh, but we'll do that. All right. No problem. Let me let me just do this really quickly. I'm kind of producing as well as uh, doing this. Perfect. Perfect. All right. How's everyone doing? Anyone catch that Liz Wharton talk last night? That was pretty dope. We went from red team blowing walls down to talking about cyber geopolitical policy all in a two hour span. This this channel knows no bounds when it comes to cybersecurity. Believe me, folks. I love it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Miss Julian. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Hey, Kimberly. Good to see you guys. All right, Munchkin. Let's let's jump into the news. I appreciate you all being here. I hope you have a great day. Remember, at the halfway point, I will be sharing Grayson's joke of the day. Guys, I don't know if you've noticed, but slowly we're starting to appropriate days. It's Worldwide Wednesdays. Um, What's it meme Thursday by Dan Reardon and... Grayson's joke of the day on Friday. So Callan wants Monday, but he hasn't quite figured out what he's doing yet. So we'll see how it goes. All right, let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. MFA fatigue, hackers' new favorite tactic in high-profile breaches. With the advent of multi-factor authentication, especially through employees' smartphones, it was inevitable that a hack would soon follow. An MFA fatigue attack is when a threat actor runs a script that attempts to log in with stolen credentials over and over, causing a repeated stream of MFA push requests to be sent to the real account owner's mobile device. The goal is to keep this up to the point that the owner simply presses OK to clear the onslaught. And if that does not work, the threat actors make contact through voice or email, posing as IT, imploring the user to accept the requests. This type of social engineering technique has proven to be very successful by the Lapsus and Yang Luang threat actors when breaching large and well-known organizations such as Microsoft, Cisco, and now Uber. The full Hold on. I, I guess I clipped it. Story is available at Bleeping Computer. Okay. All right. So, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to lose my mind a little bit here. Okay, guys. So like light, like light spice. This is, this is like jalapeno spice where it's like, you know, uh, it's basic spice guys. 
multi-factor authentication, yes, obviously it's wicked important. It's not a silver bullet. We've got to, we got to deal with it. Now, here's the thing. I have seen brute force kind of uh, MFA attacks where you annoy the person years ago. I saw this in 2015. Um, there used to be a, one multi-factor option that still exists where they'll call you. Sometimes when you log into like bank or something, it's like, would you like me to text? Would you like me to call? Right? I've seen them before where they'll call. And that's really invasive because your phone just keeps ringing, 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 ringing. And then finally you accept it and it goes through. This, this one right here, it's like text message, text message, text message, text message, whatever. Now, I will say a couple things. One, savvy on the end user uh, and pretty, I mean, savvy on the threat actor and actually pretty aggressive to then contact the victim as posing as IT and tell them that it's a mistake or they just need to accept it in order to fix the loop. Something's broken, right? Really credible explanation, <coughs> but um, ultimately they get in. Here is, here is the problem and here is the solution. If you don't want to be a victim of one of these situations, here is the deal. Choose a multi-factor authentication option that does not you know, uh, push into the end user. Now, there is a, there, meaning, meaning this. Choose the rotating six-digit pin one. This is a very common option. Threat actor logs into my email address uh, or email account. Username and password. Please give us your six-digit pin. They don't have it, okay? There's nothing on my phone that is saying, please, like, are you trying to log in? Are you trying to log in? Are you trying to log in? No. I have to actively go into my phone and choose a six-digit pin. In this uh, configuration, the victim is completely unaware that their account username and password has been compromised and there's no harassing that could possibly go on to an end user that is going to cause me to allow them to bypass multi-factor authentication effectively or have me engage in, in auth authorizing their access. This is a passive way to address this. This directly addresses this. Second of all, bro, if you configure your user accounts to log in infinite times before lockout, what are you doing? That's like Cyber 101, man, right? Like, oh, like how about, like, dude, I, like I have accepted 15 attempts. I've accepted 15 attempts in the past as a standard where if you, if you log in incorrectly 15 times, then your account gets blocked. You know who doesn't log in incorrectly 15 times? The real user. Because after like five times, they get wicked pissed and they call IT. They're not logging in 15 times, right? Now, there are a couple. So, by the way, this would stop this attack as well because the account would be locked out. And the 16th time the threat actor script ran, it would fail. And then the victim wouldn't be getting the multi-factor buzz the 16th time. So, there's multiple ways to address this. And the fact that like... Uber and 2K games or, or uh, uh, Rockstar games or whoever else is being hit by this. It's, 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 I don't want to say it's gross, but it's one of those ones where it's like, again, like, think about, think about it. Like, too often people, too often people just put controls in place and they're like, oh, I got some controls and they move on to the next one. It's like, you have to think about it. This is why GRC matters. You have to think about how this impacts the business and how it will work in real life right? You cannot put blinders on and operate in this silo over here of cybersecurity where you're just like throwing tentacles of like policy and procedures into the void of your business, right?
you have to think about how it looks in practice. Feel it yourself. If you have ever put an exception in place for yourself or your information security team around a security policy, that is shame on you. You need to feel it too, all right? Now, I will tell you, with account lockout, occasionally you'll find, the, and this is like, you know, uh, like one of the problems with account lockout that you'll hear as a pushback from the business. When people change their password, they usually have their password saved into their phone for wireless network. And when they walk into business, their phone's like, tries to log in, 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 locked out. And then they're like, ah, it's 8.30 and I can't even, I can't work. Ah, ah, if, if cybersecurity blows, ah. It's like, okay, we have an SOP for that. We have an FAQ, so please just relax. You know what I'm trying not to do? Get breached by lapsus. Sorry, I kind of lost it there. Senate report details inefficiencies and confusion at key U.S. counterintelligence center. The National Counterintelligence and Security Center is paralyzed by dysfunction, lack of resources, and confusion about its mission, leaving a key national security asset dangerously vulnerable, U.S. senators said on Wednesday. The center's inability to adapt to the growing role of cyber and the whole-of-society threat landscape are among several factors contributing to the organization's decline, according to a blistering 153-page Senate Select Committee on Intelligence report. The report said, for example, that because U.S. adversaries now have access to far more varied tools for influencing American officials and inflaming social tensions, the counterintelligence center must gain real authority and modernize its mission and strategies. All right. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm a proud American, but like, can we, can we all agree that the, the, the funny joke of, um, oh my God, uh, like the government's inability to adapt, <laughs> uh, it, it's le left it, uh, confused and bumbling. Yes. Okay. So anyways, U S government counterintelligence, um, you know, the U.S. government is a big, think of the U.S. government as a cruise ship, like a very nice luxury liner, mega cruise ship, okay? Cybersecurity, the cyber domain, the way that we interact with each other, the way that information, which is one of those four dime things I talked to you about, very important. That's why our field is actually called information security, not cybersecurity, but I'll, I'll, I'll flip out about that another time. The way information is disseminated, the way information can be manipulated, the way information can be um, harnessed has changed dramatically. And for 50, 60 years, the United States worked in a certain dimension on how to handle information. And we were very good at it. Espionage, counter-espionage, um, influencing you know, different parts of the world, whatever. And it's just changed. And going back to that example of the cruise ship, Guys, cruise ships don't turn around like a like a like a race boat, right? I mean, they don't bang a hard left and and course correct. They take a while to turn, right? And they're just slow and cumbersome. And yes, they've got a lot of gravity and a lot of weight. And if they get on you, you're in trouble. But the the trade-off is that they're not nimble. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people working in these agencies. So, you know, I get it. Plus, plus. This is going to sound ageist, but it's it's true. And, you know, I'm getting older, too. So, like, I like I can't TikTok, right? So, but but a lot of the people who are in important positions of power making important decisions are typically older, right? So they're not as well-versed 
and the current ecosystem, yeah, they get briefed on certain things, but being able to have the the worldview and the mindset to understand how these things kind of interrelate with each other might be a little difficult. So it is unfortunate. I'm not surprised that there are inefficiencies and confusion uh, in the U.S. government, especially when it comes to this. Not to mention, and we've seen this quite a bit too, This is there's a bit of infighting within the U.S. government about who owns cyber. Again, Game of Thrones, if you're familiar with that show, it's like everybody's like hoarding their little power and trying to add to their power. And cyber is like the new hotness, the new domain, right? And, you know, if you, if you centralize that function, maybe you're pulling it away from it, right? Uh, pulling away from like whatever the FBI's counter cyber and surveillance intelligence unit is or the CIA's or the NSA's or what CISA has, or is it under the DOD or is it its own cabinet agency, right? Like there's like almost, I don't wanna say a run on power, but like people are reluctant to kind of give up power, which doesn't lead to efficiency, right? So, or, or it may be perceived efficiency where the, the agencies are like, oh, if you take it from me, then we're gonna be uh, having to go ask you permission to do these things. Whereas now we can move very agile. I, I don't know. Uh, this isn't surprising to me, and it's kind of a macro-level picture. Australian telco Optus suffers massive data breach. Australia's second-largest telco, Optus, has said the attack has released personal information of potentially millions of customers compromised by a malicious cyber attack. It is believed the attackers were working for a criminal or state-sponsored organization and made off with birth dates, phone numbers, email addresses, driver's licenses, and passport numbers. Optus said yesterday they could not yet say how many of its 9.7 million subscribers in Australia had been compromised, but did say the number was, quote, significant, end quote. They added, quote, we are deeply disappointed because we spend so much time and we invest so much in preventing this from occurring, end quote. Black cat. Yeah, uh, well, not much of a story here, I guess, except for our Australian friends. Good day, mate. <laughs> our down under friends can join the pile of can hey, internal stranger good to see you there uh can we please uh squad can we get this is fine emotes in chat please this is fine um welcome to the party australia um enjoy your letter uh saying that your privacy and security is very important to this company uh but here's your two free years of identity prevention uh, and then expect an, an uptick in attacks on phishing emails and spear phishing attempts. So welcome to the party. Um, you know, there's not much to say here. It's the same. It's the same MO. It's the same plan, guys. You know, there's a breach. Be on the lookout. Be mindful. If um, I don't know if they said that uh, passwords were compromised. I doubt it because it would have been in the headline, I assume. But, you know, Australia, if you're doing GRC stuff, security awareness, definitely use this as an opportunity to educate your end users of phishing techniques and why you might have a tailored phishing attack and be mindful of that. Um, I don't know enough, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like, get it, like, coupons for Georgie Pies or something like that. I, I don't know what Australians do. I, my, one of my closest friends lives in Brisbane, but uh, I don't know enough about Australia. Uh, he, he's from New Jersey. Okay, so like, let's, let's not mistake that I'm best friends with an Australian. So, Ransomware data exfiltration tool gets an upgrade. 
The Black Cat ransomware, also known as ALPHV, A-L-P-H-V, is not showing any signs of slowing down, and the latest example of its evolution is a new version of the gang's data exfiltration tool used for double extortion attacks. Considered as a successor to Darkseid and Black Matter, it is one of the most sophisticated and technically advanced ransomware-as-a-service operations. The latest version has gone through heavy code refactoring to better evade detection, including deployment of a new malware called EAMFO, that's E-A-M-F-O, which explicitly targets credentials stored in VM backups. This software is typically used for storing credentials to domain controllers and other cloud services so that the ransomware actors can use them for deeper infiltration and lateral movement. Wow. Okay. So can I just tell you guys, okay, so Black Cat, um, it's believed to be formerly Dark Side, formerly Black Matter. This is the group that did Colonial Pipeline uh, attack, if you remember that. They were Dark Side at Colonial Pipeline, and then when the United States government got fully involved, um, <laughs> that ransomware group dissipated um, and it reappeared as a different one, uh, obviously trying to get the stink of Dark Side off their clothes so they aren't being hunted down. Now... What I want to point out about this, and you should be mindful of this. Guys, again, you could use uh, MITRE ATT&CK Framework to look for Black Cat TTPs. But what I want you to know is the following. This is what makes them sophisticated. Guys, hold on. I, 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 want, you to, I want you to look at me. Okay, listen. Here's the deal with this one, okay? It's pretty serious. So, any type of real threat actor or real business, real business, right? We'll do retrospectives, we'll do process improvement, we'll take time to reflect on what works, what doesn't work, how can we be better, how can we be faster, how can we operate on uh, cheaper, right? That, like if you have ever worked in a business, you, I mean, you might do quarterly, if you do agile programming or agile frameworks, you might do two-week sprints and all this and do retrospectives. A, a gang like Lapsus, which is, you know, appears to be a bunch of teenagers, with all due respect, they're kind of operating like the, the teenagers in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie when Shredder ran like a kid's camp for bad boys, if you remember that. It was just like smoking cigarettes, drinking booze, skateboarding all over the place, fighting, infighting. It was like, it looked like Lord of the Flies kind of in there, okay? Th that's kind of what Lapsus is. They're just like, oh, we're badass hackers and blah, right? Um, uh, Black Cat is different. Now, here, here's what I'm talking about, right? Their newest version of their malware limits data that they exfil. So think about this. They were pulling out massive amounts of data, gigs and gigs of data, and then they were having to sift through it. And they probably realized, guys, we're getting all sorts of like temp files and executables and just trash iso files like we're getting trash that we don't need to sift through we don't need to spend time on we're not going to have value there let's filter it down to only files that will have data that we can sell all right thanks for joining the squad zalia whoop, whoop. right this is a process improvement it will only get high value uh assets out of it which reduces and by the way they're not clogging their pipe full of files and data that they don't care about, right? So now they're getting the data faster. They're only getting high value data. And uh, when they actually get it, the time that they spend filtering through it to find anything of value cuts down. Huge process improvement. They added FTP as an exfiltration option. 
right? So now they got multiple ways to get out. Brilliant, right? They probably ran into a situation where they got in, they got everything, and then they couldn't get it out because of a firewall rule. Boom. Here's another option. Done. All right. Obviously, reporting, that just makes it easier to manage. Um, eraser feature, right? Uh, kind of like a, a break glass in case of emergency, a self-destruct. Nuke everything. We Like, we accidentally hit the NSA, or we accidentally hit... Um, you know, in the, uh, the, 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 the Batman movie with Heath Ledger's Joker and the, the guys are robbing the bank in the opening sequence and the bank manager's like shooting them with a shotgun. He's like, do you know who bank this is? Right. Think about that. Imagine these guys get into like a really gnarly group of, uh, you know, assets. Right. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Boom. Self-destruct. Right. So this is just really, really interesting. And until these guys are captured or stopped in some way. They are going to continue to iterate and continue to evolve and continue to be very good at what they do. So, you know, based on this, I would I would elevate these guys higher up in the um, in the in the pantheon of, you know, watch out for these guys. Like I put Hive up there as well. Uh, these guys are definitely up there. So be mindful of that. Black Cat TTPs. Be mindful of those. And now thanks to today's episode sponsor, Six Clicks. With Six Clicks, organizations can manage enterprise risk easier than ever before. Six Clicks helps you identify your risks, group them into risk registers, and run risk assessments. It highlights causes and potential impacts, outlines risk treatment plans, and helps you manage the full treatment lifecycle, all while informing your holistic GRC posture with built-in data linkages. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. That's the number six, C-L-I-C-K-S dot com slash CISO series. Yeah, Joel Belt and Gifted Squad memberships. Thanks, Joel. Everybody who gets one of those gifted memberships, thank you, Joel. Welcome to the squad. Enjoy the emotes as those are handed out. Julio gets the first one. Nice job. All right, guys, really quick, since this is the break, I want to uh, first start off with Grayson's joke of the week. Guys. Grayson dropped this one on me last night for all of you squad people and Simply Cyber community members. The drummer just had twins. The drummer just had twins. What did he name his kids? What did the drummer name his twins? All right, Lacey Cochran getting it. While we're all queuing up on that, guys, I want to remind everybody on Monday morning, if you want to get this newsletter... SimplyCyber.io slash newsletter. I write an email that goes right to your inbox Monday morning and gives you three actionable intel pieces on how you can operationalize them immediately on Monday morning. Believe me, sign up for this newsletter. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. It's fine. No hard feelings. I want to help you kick major at work. Please let me help you kick at kick butt. Yikes. Okay, also, just want to remind everybody, we're a couple weeks out from Wild West Hacking Fest. If you're going to be there, so am I. Uh, let me know if you're going to be there. I'd love to connect with you. High fives. Uh, I will be giving a talk. Here's my title slide of my talk, GRC Day in the Life. As a little uh, preview. These are my slides. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Can't wait. So I hope if you come to Wild West Hacking Fest... You attend my talk, uh, or at minimum, we get to meet and hang out. I'm going to have a good time there. I'm really excited and looking forward to it. Um, yep. 
All right, so getting back to Grayson's joke of the day. What did the drummer name his kids? Anna one and Anna two. Anna one, Anna two. Anna one, Anna two. Ha <laughs> ha. Anna one, Anna two. Kimberly with the super chat. Thanks, Kimberly. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for the super chat. Thank you all for being part of the Simply Cyber community. So good. And thank you, Grayson, for the joke of the day. Let's get back into the news. Domain shadowing becoming more popular yep. amongst cyber criminals. <laughs> Thanks, Kimberly. Threat analysts at Palo Alto Networks Unit 42 have discovered that the phenomenon of domain shadowing might be more prevalent than previously thought. They have uncovered over 12,000 cases while scanning the web between April and June of this year. Domain shadowing is a subcategory of DNS hijacking where threat actors compromise the DNS of a legitimate domain to host their own subdomains for use in malicious activity but do not modify the legitimate DNS entries that already exist. In the meantime, the threat actors are free to host C2 addresses, phishing sites, and malware dropping points, abusing the good reputation of the hijacked domain to bypass security checks. You Wow. Okay, so I haven't heard of this. Uh, this is a new term for me. Domain shadowing, okay? Interesting. So basically, the, the gist here is normally threat actors will stand up uh, like a domain like... Uh, whoosiewhatsitfutsit.com, right? And the domain will probably only last for a few hours. They'll send out their phishing emails. Hey, it's Jerry from Chase Bank. You've got malicious activity. Click here. And the email is like john at whoosiewhatsitfutsit.com, right? Obvious fish. So now there are subdomains. So you could have mail.google.com, drive.google.com, you know, chat.google.com, right? Th th those... Those first parts are subdomains under the top-level domain. Uh, well, it's the .com is the top-level domain, but you get what I'm saying. It's like whatever dot domain dot top-level domain, right? So, so drive.google.com, chat.google.com. So what they're saying here is threat actors are somehow getting in. I would have to assume that they would compromise. They have to compromise DNS in order to add the subdomain as an entry. And then it would be like, um, you know, evil.google.com. Although threat actors aren't going to name it evil because that would stick out like a sore thumb. They would name it like uh, prototype.google.com or customer-support.google.com, right? They're going to add something that looks good. Now they can fire uh, emails and do, or uh, maybe not emails because that still would be at google.com, but they could do um, C2 infrastructure. They could host malicious infrastructure at on those at uh, on they could host it and then use the subdomain domain in order to look legitimate and what why would you go through all this trouble right well the reason is the google.com has a great reputation obviously everyone knows that it's legit business so filtering uh done at email gateways done in wildfire like uh you know next gen firewalls that are constantly looking at updated um threat domains and, and blocking automatically they're going to look at the at the at the root domain google.com be like oh this is legit and out it goes and out it goes right so this is pretty clever um again you would have to compromise uh dns in order to get this that's not terribly hard i guess you could get in there 
Um, you have to remember too that sometimes threat actors breach a company and they're not doing it to ransomware them or anything like that. They're doing it to 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 wear them as like a a costume or an outfit to to pose as them, so then they can actually attack their real target, and then all the attribution would come back to the first victim's organization, right? So this is pretty good. I think it didn't say it in the chat. I mean, in the story. But I think that the best way, I mean, there's a couple ways to protect from this and there's a couple ways to detect from this. Obviously protect, limit the amount of people that have um, access to edit DNS. Make sure that they're using multi-factor authentication, obviously, uh, obviously. Um, and then, I mean, I, I'm going to say this is a recommendation, but I, I got to be honest with you. No one does it, Right. If there's an uptick in this activity, make it a point to review your DNS entries quarterly. I've been in the industry a long time, guys. And DNS updates is, is the property of IT, not security. So like you'd have to tell security to do it. But you should be able to get read-only access to the DNS entries anyways. But no one is reviewing DNS. DNS is one of those things that like once you set it up and it's working, you're on to the next thing because it's working. You don't really review it because there's no reason to. Uh, with this increase of a threat, I think you'd have to review it, but then you'd still have to know what subdomains are legitimate and which ones are not. And if you're at a really large organization, it could be troublesome knowing the customer dash support is actually malicious and not legitimate simply because... At a large organization, you may not know, oh, who put this entry in? Is this legit? Who do I ask? There's no notes or comments or anything like that. You're you're really reluctant to remove it because you don't want to break something in production. So you just leave it alone because it looks legit. And now you're making a risk-based decision based on nothing other than what the attacker actually thought you might do. Look at it. Customer support seems legit. Moving on. And the threat actor stays um, in the system. So... Definitely interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna add this to my my threat model. This is definitely something to add to the threat model. You might even want to add this like next time you go to a meeting with the IT people, you want to bring some value. Tell them that DNS is getting hacked up. Make sure you do it appropriately though, so they don't like groan and eye roll. Ugh, IT people, am I right? <laughs> Looking at you, BSEC. All data breach exposed data of more than two million clients. The moving and storage rental company started an investigation that concluded that the hackers accessed customers' PII between November 5, 2021 and April 5th of this year. U-Haul traced the data breach to a contract search tool that allows access to rental contracts for U-Haul customers. However, the customer data breach did not expose any payment card information since they said the tool does not access that information. Twitter password... I mean, this is really no different than the story that we heard earlier... Uh, about the Australians and the phone company getting breached. I mean, guys, it's like another day, another dollar. Um, it's, it's, th there's a breach. They've got data. They're probably going to use it to weaponize uh, targeted phishing, um, maybe some identity theft. Although, I don't know what the, um, I don't know what the numbers are on identity theft. I might actually Google that after the stream, just because like, you don't hear about it as a crime as much anymore. Like it's it's much more ransomware and business email compromise and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure people are committing identity theft, but it's just it's less rampant than it was in like the mid 2000s. Um, so 
sucks for you, Hall, obviously. Looks like also um, part of the breach came from a third party, not internal to U-Haul, but a, a group that they contract with uh, to allow for customers to look up rental agreements that they've signed. So, you know, third party risk management. I know people like Neil Bridges say like, oh, you know, that's not really a thing, but guess what? It is a thing. You got to be mindful. Um, you know, I'm sure that there was a contract in place between U-Haul and this company and that company is about to get raked over the coals for violating it. <clears throat> so we'll see how it goes. But the TLDR, this isn't like, even though it's 2 million people who got infect affected, this isn't much of a story. Data's breached. Do the, do the normal stuff that you do when there's a data breach. Reset bug exposed user accounts. Twitter has remediated an issue that allowed accounts to stay logged in across multiple devices even after a voluntary password reset. In an announcement Wednesday, the social media company explained that the bug meant users who proactively changed their passwords on one device may have still been able to access open sessions on other screens. The bug meant that a threat actor who was able to access an account in some way would have continued to be able to do so even after such a reset. It's unclear exactly how long users have been exposed in this way, but Twitter explained that the issue appeared after it made a change, quote, last year, end quote, to the systems that power its password reset functionality. Mm-hmm. Fake site. Guys, I mean, <sighs> I, I get that this was an oversight, but dude, like when you, I, I don't know. So I don't know if this is true for end users, but for power users, privileged users, people with a little bit more permissions, when you reset a password in Office 365, which many of us have, <laughs> It has a button right next to it that says revoke all sessions, right? Or when you reset someone's multi-factor authentication, there's a button that says uh, revoke all sessions. And it basically uh, terminates all the cookies, right? Or revokes all the cookies uh, to avoid that. This, this is the problem right here. So basically you reset your Twitter password and any active sessions that currently existed can continue to persist. That doesn't mean your old password works anymore. It just means that they didn't terminate any sessions. Um, I'm I'm speaking uh, slightly out of uh, turn here when I say that it's that's a fairly easy thing to fix, right? Because every time you access a resource, you have to authenticate to it, right? That's why, like, that's why you don't have to put your username and password in every time because you have a token that basically says you're good to go. Um, so by clearing all those active tokens, I feel like that's the the workaround and the solution. Um, you know, this just seems like one of those one of those situations where there was a project, they wanted to put in a password reset option, uh, and they didn't think through all of the um, permutations of like, what does that mean to the overall end user experience? And and you know what, I'm not even gonna fault them guys. Let me tell you this, when, when software development happens, whether you're developing a new feature or you're developing a security function, it's easy to think of the 80% of the time situations, right? The typical user case workflows and stuff like that. It's hard to think of the fringe ones, the 20%. And this is where the red team actually thrives. Red team people that are, or, you know, pen testers, whatever, that are really good at their job. They typically can think of these fringe cases because a lot of times the developers aren't thinking of those fringe cases or they don't enumerate those fringe cases. And then they don't account for it uh, in the code. And that's where the vulnerabilities lie. That that's that's like the twenty percent, and where the vulnerabilities lie. So this seems like it's one of those. Seems, sounds like they fixed it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, 
the situation that Twitter's talking about as far as it being a bug, yeah, it's a bug, but your user account was already compromised. A threat actor already got your account and logged in with it. You're changing the password on your account. The problem is that it doesn't kick the threat actor out. But but in this in this situation, your credentials are already compromised. So you sh you know, be mindful. MFA, strong password, don't reuse password vault. You know, it's it's the same thing. It's just rinse repeat, rinse repeat. It's fool Zoom users into downloading deadly code. Threat researchers at cybersecurity firm Cybel found six fake Zoom sites offering applications that, if clicked on, will download the Vidar Stealer malware, which also grabs lots of other goodies along the way. The fake Zoom sites are part of a wider info-stealing effort, according to the Cybel Research and Intelligence Lab. The <coughs> Cybel researchers said they found six such sites that are still in operation with names like zoom-download.host and zoomus.website. These sites redirect users to a GitHub URL that shows applications that can be downloaded, which are, of course, malicious. Oh my god, okay. Before you head on... Alright, so real quick, this is like at the height of early pandemic, when people were like, Oh my god, Zoom's the best! Like, threat actors were actually buying Google advertisements, like investing like tens of thousands of dollars to become the first result on Google and having a malicious Zoom application. Sounds like they're, you know, re getting the biggest return on their investment, the biggest, they're squeezing all the juice out of that lemon um, and hosting sites like zoom.us or zoom-us.website. Uh, where the real URL is zoom.us and hosting uh, malicious Zoom instances that um, I'm sure has, you know, info stealers. Yeah, here we download malware that can steal bank data, IP addresses, other information. Yeah. So this is, to me, this is a perfect opportunity for info stealers, right? <clears throat> this, this might be the, um, this might be the newsletter for your end users. Okay, guys, here's the deal. As practitioners, if you're going to have people use Zoom, you should provide them the link. If you're going to have, if people like educate your other people, because people are downloading Zoom all over the place. I know professionally, Microsoft Teams is getting more market share simply because people already have invested in Office 365 and CFOs are like, why are we spending money on Zoom if we get Microsoft Teams for free? Start using Teams. We've already paid for it. And you're like, well, Teams sucks. And they're like, I don't care. We paid for it. Get rid of Zoom. But personally speaking, friends and family, um, Zoom weddings, Zoom interviews, Zoom whatever. People are using Zoom. So this is a great opportunity to educate them on a personal level on how threat actors think about tricking people into downloading malicious ones. You have the opportunity to show them a couple malicious domains, which I'm sure there's going to be screenshots in the report. You could show them that the executables kind of look the same. <coughs> you want them to go to the official site. Now, how do you prove that. I mean, the problem is Zoom's official website is zoom.us. I'm like almost certain, right? Zoom.us. Yeah. So that's a tough one because it's not .com, right? It's it's not .com, which is what a lot of general end users think of. So you got to be careful. Carl's everywhere, right? So this is an opportunity. It's the, the nice thing about this one is that it's pretty straightforward because all, all your end users, your, your Aunt Kathy's of the world, have used Zoom. 
right? So it's going to be familiar for them. So when you're talking about like using the, the malicious domains or the malicious executables that look like Zoom, aka Trojans, it'll be already a little familiar to them and you can get the point home to them. So this, this is a good opportunity. And by the way, don't download Zoom. <laughs> don't download Zoom from GitHub, okay? There's a best practice too, but don't waste your time explaining that to an end user because that's not going to make any sense. All right, guys, that's going to do it. I got a couple things to tease to you on this Friday going into the weekend. Guys, if you don't know, I'm super pumped. I, Gerald Osier, am in the finals for the 2022 Cyber League Invitational. I will be taking on one Ken Underhill who has had a magnificent tournament journey through the tournament he defeated matt lee cyber matt lee the beard he defeated the perennial favorite ruthless e aka eric taylor uh yesterday in a in a in a wild match and uh he's coming he's the dark horse in the tournament um i've got a lot of cycles on the platform i'll be blue team obviously i've got a playlist from recon infosec uh to hopefully carry me through I hope you can join me. I'll be rocking out. They've made some special changes to the to the to the event for the finals, right? It's like it's like the scene in The Wizard. If you guys are old enough to remember The Wizard, when they when they reveal Super Mario Brothers three as the finals, and it was like how Nintendo announced Super Mario Brothers three to the world. That's what's going on. I don't know exactly what is going to go on, uh, but I'll be the blue team and I'll be doing the best I can. I want to take home the W for us. Also, um, if you don't remember, every other Monday, I will be streaming live World of Haiku or Haiku Pro on the channel. New downloadable content for the Steam version is being dropped a week from today on September 30th. Your boy has early access to the DLC and will be playing it live, giving you guys a sneak peek. You will literally get to see the DLC before anyone else live with me i haven't seen it either i'm going to be getting into it but before we do all that i want to appreciate uh, let you all know right now my man neil bridges is over on twitch cyber insecurity twitch.tv cyber insecurity mods drop a link in chat if you would and uh, let's go raid him if you guys got the time i'm going to be raiding i'm going to be raiding i'm going to be getting all up in neil's britches um, if you guys want to go raid, let's go and do it. Uh, hashtag simply cyber. When you get over into Neil's stream guys, solid, solid week. We put in a solid week of work. You earned a killer weekend. If you're working the overnight at socks on the weekend, my much love and respect. I, I hope your weekend comes on Monday or Tuesday and you can celebrate and get that R and R. All right, from all of us here at Simply Cyber, which is me in this corner and the puppies, <laughs> my wife downstairs, the boys at school, genuinely appreciate you guys being part of our day. Thank you so much. Be good, everyone, and we will go raid TWAH, T with a hacker. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Josh. That's what I'm saying. It's on stream right now. Neil's doing tea with a hacker. Drop the link in chat. Here, I'll just drop it in chat. What am I doing? Just make it easy. Dropping it in chat. There we go. Let's go over there. Hashtag Simply Cyber. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.